True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Happy Hour. We are smack dab in the middle of May, and we have really great shows for you this month. I really love the show today. I sat down with John Acuff. He's written, gosh, a handful of books, and he has a new book that just came out this April called Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. John and I talked today about what he calls broken soundtracks, these ideas, these thoughts, these basically lies that we play over and over and over again in our head. After surveying over 10,000 people, he found techniques to help reduce overthinking and self-doubt while increasing satisfaction and productivity, and we talk about that today. I really enjoyed this conversation because John even says this himself, he's not bringing in these like profound, huge ideas These are actually things that we know and believe to be true about other people as we talk to them, but we have a hard time believing them about ourselves, and he goes through those today. I really encourage you to lean in and listen to this, and then if you want to dive in deeper, get John's new book, Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking, wherever you get books. Friends, I don't know if you know this before we get to the conversation that I had with John, but I wanted to say this. John and I actually are both podcast hosts, so I would really encourage you to go check out his podcast. But something that really helps podcasts, not just like boost our morale or help us feel good about ourselves, but actually helps more people find the show, our reviews. And if you love this podcast, The Happy Hour, and you've been listening for a while, man, I would just really ask if you would take the time to go over to Apple on iTunes and leave us a review. Again, they're not to boost our confidence, but it's to help more people find the happy hour. And I really believe that we have one of the best shows out there because I have the most amazing people that come on this show and they're honest and they're vulnerable and they do things that encourage us and point us to Jesus. In fact, here's a recent five-star review from a listener. They said, I think I've been listening since almost the beginning. I have just loved learning other women's stories. The show has opened me up to so many great resources and has taught me how to be more honest in my own relationships. Thanks, Jamie. Also, I can't get enough of your amazing laugh. Well, that's kind. Sometimes I think my amazing laugh sounds kind of annoying. So thank you for liking it. Friends, right now, we would love it if you would do that. In fact, we're going to pick three winners. If you leave a review and we're going to give away some Amazon gift cards in an upcoming show. So go leave a review and then keep listening to hear if you are one of our lucky winners to give out some Amazon gift cards. All right, guys, sit back. Listen to my conversation with John Acuff. First of all, he's got a lot of great things to say and he's just funny. This is a fun show. I love chatting with him. So here's my conversation with John Acuff. John, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm looking forward to it. This is so great. And listen, I have heard John Acuff, John Acuff all the time, and we've never met. And so this is exciting. Yeah, I think we've probably passed in different green rooms or podcast conversations or friend groups. So finally, Austin to Nashville, it's happening. It's kind of like when you're in high school and then later on you're like in college or something and you meet someone and you're like, oh, I was a senior when you were a sophomore and I went to this person's house and they're like, we were like steps away from each other and never knew each other. I like when that happens in college and they, they didn't know me in college because I'd rather not have been known in college. So when they're like, oh, I, I didn't know you. I'm like, that's great for both of us. Why and would you rather not be known in college? I was such a knucklehead. I was like going to raves and like I was just a knucklehead. And so like when somebody's like, I don't remember you from college. I'm like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. John, I'm the same way. Like literally people are like, did you go to that? And I'm like, don't say it. Don't say it. Please don't say it. And then I'm so embarrassed. Let me tell you what happened to me the other day. Okay. Please. Tell me if you have a story like this. I was speaking at an event, which I want to hear from you. Have you spoken to a large crowd this last year? I've done like 40 virtual events, but I've only done maybe two live events. Did it feel like you felt like, oh my gosh, I feel like a little bit normal? Oh yeah. I'm doing one in Dallas in like a week from now and I can't wait. So yeah, that I mean, if people are like, will John travel for an event? The answer is yes. Put me on the yes list. (laughs) And every other speaker, if you're afraid, stay afraid. Like I get it. Stay stay home, stay, whatever. Let me go. I'll show up. John is on the yes list. 
Okay, so I spoke at this event. I'm on the yes list as well, people. And it felt so normal. And a, a sweet woman came up into the book line and she looked at me and said, like my literal worst question that someone can say to me. She said, do you remember who I am? And I just am like, oh, <laughs> this yeah. is the worst. So I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I don't. And she told me whose mom she was. And it was a guy I dated in college. Yeah, that's... John, Yeah, I was not who I am right now. No, of course not. No. Nobody is. But I'm very drastically different than I was in college. Yeah. A, I wasn't a Christian. I was... Yeah. like it was My goals in life were like, how fast can I drink all this Miller Lite to get yeah. like drunk? That's my goal. It's a champagne of beers. I get it. That's highlight. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes, exactly. And so has anything like that ever happened to you? Like happened to me? Yeah. I mean, I usually start with an apology. Like I just lead with an <laughs> apology because it's just safer that way where they'll say, oh, we had a class together. And I'll go, oh, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and or I'll go like which semester because I was like I'm gonna have like a 2.4 and then I'm gonna lose all my scholarship so I have a 4.0 so I had a lot of ups and downs so it was like which iteration of me did you get or experience yeah. before I yeah. kind of a little more consistent so yeah I've, I've done that multiple times the apology to like oh was I like whenever somebody goes this happened to me the other day I was on um, a virtual event and they said. You actually, I was a photographer at your event and I was like, oh, and she was like, you were so nice. And I was like, thank goodness. Thank goodness that that is your story. Of not, it was like, you were such a jerk. I'm like, Ugh. I don't like when I meet somebody and they go, I've learned to not say it's nice to meet you because people say this is our fifth time. And then I'll say, were the other four as awkward as this one? And then like, <laughs> let's just so jump great, into John. it. Let's just jump into it. Like I did that on an elevator, like. I don't know, like a year ago and said, like, were they all this awkward? And it was super <laughs> awkward. And I was like, let's just get it worse. So, yeah, I, just... I've had a lot of those. Oh, my gosh. OK, so I have one more because you have to tell me this. How many kids do you guys have? We have two uh, teenage daughters. I have all teenagers as well. And do you love teenagers? Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, they're I awesome. love teenagers, too. They're like the worst and the best all in one. And it's the greatest oh, thing fun, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one time at a church, a girl came up to me and introduced herself to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, nice to meet you. And she's like, oh, I babysat your kids once. And I was like, oh, this is good that I yeah. trusted my kids with someone. I don't even yeah. remember their name. Yeah, just just but, found her on the street, probably. Just picked her up. It just, like, just went down to like Kroger and we're like, hey, does anyone want to watch my children? Get in the back. It's like, get it. They're already asleep. Just sit they're there. Actually, asleep. Use just my don't, internet. Don't wake them up. If you could not <laughs> yeah. wake them up, that'd be helpful. Okay. So introduce yourself to my listeners. Tell us what you do. You have two teenage daughters. Tell us about your life. Yeah. So I live in Nashville, Tennessee, just outside of the city. We've been here almost 11 years. I do two things most of the year. I write books and then I go speak about the books. And I'm in kind of the self-help motivational business category. Grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor have my own faith experience. If you're a pastor's kid, you can go one of two directions and have built my own, you know, relationship with Christ. I've had my own company for the last eight years where, like I said, I write books, I go speak to companies. I do a bunch of stuff online. I have my own podcast. I'm trying to be like Jamie. I've got like 17 episodes, which feels like a lot. Um, I know you're like at 458. Maybe that's exactly your episode 390. There's that number 390. 390. There you go. So yeah, so that's uh, and I've been married for 20 years um, to my wife, Jenny. And I've got two brothers and a little sister and just love that I get to do this for my job. That's so awesome. My husband, Aaron, and I will celebrate 20 years this summer. And so oh, congrats. we got married the same year. I know. Congrats to you guys. Yeah. We just celebrated How like a week ago. And we celebrated by canceling our trip to Italy a second time. <laughs> it was beautiful. Oh. Um, we canceled it in 2020. And then we're like, you know what? Let's cancel it a second year. And just re we're going to be like 90. We're just going to have our knees. We're not even going to be able to get to the top of the Duomo. Like we're just going to have to be like, I know it's going to be a river cruise that I buy off of PBS I'm going to get a tote bag and that's just, that's what life's going to be like. Now, I know you've been to Italy before because you talk about it in this I book, I believe. Am I right? Yeah. Will this be your second time or have you been other times? I think this would be my third time, maybe. Okay. I think we did like a quick trip through it. My brother spent a year there after school, so we went and saw him. Yeah, love Italy. And with my job, I'm starting to, like I was before the world got put on pause, I was able to speak internationally, which is super fun. You feel like- I'm always on that list too. Like, yes. I will go it, to it, Portugal. <laughs> like if they're like, hey, yes. can you come to the coast of Portugal? I'm like, I can do that. Yes. I will do that. My wife <laughs> would is, like to come with that. Yeah, exactly. 100%. We love Italy as well. In fact, we've been twice and once down the Southern coast and then once up I guess it was more mountainous range wine stuff. And it was just lovely, lovely. Oh, lovely. I hope you it's guys hard to have a bad go. time in Italy. 
it's hard to have a bad time. And how old are your daughters? They are 17 and 15. Okay. We're living the same life except I got two more in there. So we have a 17, 16, 15, and 13. So we've got Get lots a lot. of children it's around a lot here. of adolescents. We got a lot of adolescents around here. Okay, well, thanks for coming on. And you have a new book out. It just came out in April, almost a little over a month ago, called Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. And I need to hear from you. Well, you say in the beginning of this book, you're like, hey, I found out about this whole thing 13 years ago. So now I'm just going to come out and let you guys know about it. And the funny thing is, John, a couple weeks ago, I put something on Instagram stories and someone's like, you need to read John's new book. And I'm like, well, I am reading it and I'm going to talk to him. So here he is. She was responding to me overthinking something, honestly, is what she was doing. And so tell me, where did this even this book, this idea, where does this come from? Not only just from you as an author, but personally as well. Yeah. So whenever I write a book, I look for three things. I think every like great book has three things in common, a personal connection. So the author is personally connected to the content. Number two is they find a need. They look in, you know, whether it's from their friends, the people they serve online, their podcast audience, whatever there's a need. And the third thing is they find a spot in the marketplace and they go, okay, does this fit? So for me, I'm an overthinker. I've been an overthinker my entire life. It's something that I'm curious about. I've researched it. I've seen it change my own life. I hired a researcher named Mike Peasley, who's a PhD. And we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of them said yes. I was going to say, I don't know who would say no. Liars. I mean, I guess just point liars. liars just yeah, straight just up liars. People that want to ruin, like the guy that doesn't agree with Trident gum, like that dentist who's like, I'm the fifth of the five dentists who doesn't appreciate this yeah. gum. Um, and then I went to the marketplace and a lot of books about overthinking say, stop, stop, stop. And my opinion is, one, that's impossible. Two, Mm -hmm. why would I ever turn off this thinking machine? I'm really good at thinking, what if I just fed it with things that helped me, not things that hurt me? And so I felt like I had an approach. And so that's kind of my Venn diagram of ideas. But really, it started when I say 13 years ago. In 2008, I was stuck at a job. I was trying to go into work and like felt like a lot of people just didn't feel like this was what I was supposed to do with my life. I would listen to Jimmy Eat World, The Middle, which is 100% about a sophomore girl. But I would be like, this song's about me. He is Jimmy. I get it. I am in the middle. Thank you. And I started to uh, write this blog on the side of my life. And an event planner said, hey, would you come speak at our event? And I'd never done that. I had no evidence I could do that. I just had this tiny baby sprout of a thought that said, I think I can do that. And when I started to think that, I started to turn that into action and I started to turn that into results. And that changed my entire life. It's changing that thought. And so I got really curious about other people. Do other people overthink? Do people know they get to choose their thoughts? And the reality is most people don't. They Mm -hmm. think a thought is something you have, not something you hone. And when you figure out, oh, wait, I get to shape my thought life, it can change everything. I can imagine it would change everything because even reading your book and talking to you, just thinking through this and thinking about all the time, and you talk about that in here, about the time that you spent wasting overthinking something. And you know, John, I find myself overthinking conversations I had oh, yeah. a week ago and wondering what they thought about me. And my husband so often is like, Jamie, people actually aren't thinking about you as much as you think yeah. that they are. But I'm like, think that they're all like replaying they're, the interaction they're, we had. they're going through your word selection. <laughs> well, a week ago isn't that long. I always tell people, if you've ever read a sent email that you sent, you're probably overthinking. Like if you've ever gone back to your sent folder and been like, let me, I know what I went I out say? like two weeks ago, but let me double check what I said. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about it is most people do and they just don't know they're doing it. That's why the book is called Soundtracks because like I've heard people say a thought is like a leaf on a river, cloud in the sky, car on the highway. But for me, it's a soundtrack. It's a repetitive thought. And just like in a movie where a soundtrack can change the whole scene, we're listening to these soundtracks without even ever stopping going, wait a second. Am I doing that? Is it is it something that I want to keep doing? And do I have the permission, the power to change it? And you do. Okay, we're going to jump into a bunch of this, but I do have one question I wanted to ask you. When I got done with your book, all I could think about is, John, can you please write a book like this for teenagers? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was not expecting the parent reaction. And we've had, we're actually, I'm meeting with the publisher Wednesday to talk about, okay, what does it look like to have a parenting soundtracks book? Because what's fascinating is teenagers will actually get this faster than adults because they don't have 20 years of working soundtracks to unlearn. Like when you tell a teenager a truth, they sprint with it. And there's all these, it's a season of broken soundtracks taking place. Like I spoke for the YMCA out in Indianapolis and they talked about one of their volunteers is this guy named Judd. He's 82 years old and he volunteers in the skate park in Brentwood, Tennessee. They have a huge half pipe, amazing. 
And he'll never ollie. He can't kick flip. He's 82. Like he's not riding a half pipe, but he loves to volunteer with kids because he knows that that's when their soundtracks are taking place. And he told me this story of there was a 13 year old who came in and said, my parents are getting a divorce and it's my fault. And Mm. that was going to be when that kid started to believe that. But fortunately, Judd was there to go. That's not true. It's not your fault. You're not designed to carry that and was able to speak truth against that. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent working on, okay, how do I if, if these kids could grab these tools now versus at 38, at 42, where they have to unlearn a bunch of stuff, I think it'd what be What you and I are having to do. We're having exactly. to- Exactly. I'm in the trenches. Things. I would have yeah. rather have known at 15, at 16, at 17, oh, these are true things. And the more I tell them to myself, the more I believe them. And the more I believe them, the more I'll act differently. And the more I act differently, the more results I'll get. Okay, that let me figure that out. Forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head, but in your book, don't you say that with teenagers, there's these certain years that are important for hearing the truth? And it was different for boys and girls. I found that interesting. Do you know off the top of your head what it is? They did a study with music. And that was why like, I kind of connected music to kind of the thoughts you have. With boys, I think it's 14 to 17. Those like the songs you hear then impact you more than later. So like for me, the examples I gave were like Round Here by the County Crows or It Takes Two by Rob Bass or Welcome to the Junk or Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. And then for girls, it's usually 11 to 14. So the songs you hear will forever leave an impression on you. Mm. And the brain's really fascinating that way, the way it takes certain information in and rejects other information and how something could stay with you. I mean, the other day, I haven't thought about this in years. The other day, my brain was like, hey, why don't you think today about that surprise party you ruined 18 years ago? You want to think about that? And I was like, "Uh, not really. And it was like, no, remember? And there was this woman I worked with named Tara when I was at Bose in Framingham, Massachusetts. She sent an email about her surprise party for her husband. And I skimmed it. It is on me. I skimmed it. I'm going to be honest. She buried the lead. In my defense, buried the lead. Subject line should be surprise party. (laughs) Like, don't put it as the P.S., So I ruined the surprise. I tell her husband and then we go to the party that night. And when we walk in, it was like a record stop moment. She stops the music and says, this is John Acuff, the guy who ruined the party. And I was like, hey, (laughs) like it's terrible. And my brain was like, hey, you want to think about that? Like, are things going too well right now? You want to feel, want to take this joy down a level? And I was like, that's not helpful, brain. I don't want to think about that. I'm good. Okay. So John, let's get practical here because I think maybe this goes into the actions that you write about in here to change that. But say for you, it was a surprise birthday party. For somebody else, it's remember what you said to your kid or remember how you failed there or remember when you were drunk at that party or whatever it might be. Remember when you, whatever, you just made it kind of flippantly like, no brain, I don't want to think about that. But actually, what does that look like for someone that's going through that? Yeah, so the way I say it is, if you want to identify a broken soundtrack, because sometimes when I'll talk to people, I'll go, do you overthink? And they go, I do. And then I'll go, what do you overthink? And they won't be able to say. So a really easy way to identify what I'd call a broken soundtrack is to think about a desire. Think about a hope. Think, you know, I want to start a podcast. I want to be a mom. I want to ask somebody out. I want to, you know, join a new church, whatever, like write down a desire and then listen to the first thoughts you have. Like every reaction is an education. Like every reaction is an education. So you get this reaction and then you ask it three questions. You don't ask every thought these questions because you have 6,000 thoughts a day. Why? Like who has time? For right. That? Yes. Three questions of your loud soundtracks. You say, is it true? Is this thing I'm saying to myself over and over true? Second question, is it helpful? Does it move me forward or does it hold me back? And three, is it kind? If I said it to a friend, would they still want to be friends with me? The reason you need all three is that sometimes it is true. You might say, I got drunk at this party and I really embarrassed my husband. Whatever the, you know, I, that might be true. Fine. But does saying that to yourself over and over help you change or does it hold you back? It doesn't push you forward. It definitely holds you back. And three, would you say it to a friend? Every time you saw a friend that did that, would you say, hey, it's good to see you again, Cheryl. Remember that time you got really drunk and embarrassed your husband? I just wanted to bring it up. You would never do that. That's why you need all three questions. And then you can go, okay, this is a soundtrack that I get to retire. I'm choosing to retire. And it might be fast. Like there's times where you get a single bit of information. It changes everything you think. So like we've all had a neighbor or a coworker where like that girl is a jerk. And then you find out her husband has cancer and it changes your entire understanding of that person. So there are times when you get a true soundtrack that goes, I see things differently. There's other times where you've been listening to something for five years, 10 years, and it's like been doing push-ups in the prison yard. Like it's tenacious. And you get this 
this new soundtrack that you have to kind of work on. So the goal of the book, I just teach you three things. One, retire broken soundtracks. Two, replace them with new ones. Three, repeat them so often they become as automatic as the old ones. So, I mean, you can tell I'm a pastor's kid. Like, I love alliteration. Like, retire, replace, repeat. And that's the process you go through. And the book has really, like, I call this book a Trojan horse for truth. Because those questions, like none of those words, nobody listening right now is like, oh man, I've never heard the word true. Like this guy is a genius. Like, no, you know that, but they're the kind of simple questions that when you really sit with them for a second, like there's this Trojan horse of truth where you go, oh, I didn't know. Like one of my Mm -hmm. favorite examples, I've been doing a lot of podcasts and often in the middle of the podcast episode, it'll turn from a conversation about a topic to a conversation about the podcast host's heart. Like it changes because they go, oh, wait a second. I was on this podcast. This guy said, wait a second, John, I've had the number one podcast in my space for nine months. And the voice I hear in my head is you're lucky, you're lucky, you're lucky. And he said, if a friend came over and they'd worked really hard for nine months on a project, I'd never say you're lucky, you're lucky, you're lucky. And he said, why am I saying that to me? And so that's the power of simple questions is that they get to lead somewhere deep. It's so good. And then if we were to translate this into like, it's not a Jesus space, even though you and I are both Christians. But sometimes I tell myself all the time, I have to tell myself the truths about God's word because I choose to believe otherwise. You know what I mean? Like I have to repeat it to myself all the time. But the same would be true of what I'm about to tell you is that when I read this part, your example about traveling is the exact same example that I thought of that goes in my head. A broken soundtrack all the time is a good mom doesn't travel for work. Mm -mm. A good mom is always at the school. When my kids were in elementary school, you know what I hate? Elementary school parties. It's actually- You don't need to celebrate flag day. Like your kid (laughs) doesn't need a flag day party where you're like, I have to dress my kid up like the flag of Norway and hope that I can find Norwegian snacks in Austin. No. And then I have to come to the school and I have to be there and I have to, all of those things are my worst nightmare. And so the broken soundtrack is you're not a good mom because you travel. You're not a good mom because you missed the 78th play that they were in. And you kind of use that same example. And I think a lot of women, we believe these broken soundtracks about our motherhood that we are not good enough. A hundred percent. And the thing is the broken soundtrack will never tell you you are, there's no amount of plays you could have gone to that would have said, Hey, Mm -hmm. there, that was the right number. Like that's the thing. So true. But the lie is, okay, if I go to one more, then if I go to two more, then, but the broken sound, like the broken soundtrack will never turn around and turn into a compliment. It'll never turn around and turn into encouragement. So that's why you have to retire it and write a Mm. different one. This makes me think of a conversation I recently had with one of my kids, even. They were choosing to believe something about how we were not good parents because of this one thing, but forgetting all the thousands of other things. And of course, as the mom, I wanted to be like, okay, can we sit down and I can tell you all the 800 things that are awesome about your parents, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we do the same thing in our whole life about, and those three things of, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Those are revolutionary words right there. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? I want to go further in your book. One of the quotes that you have is you say, waking up and going to sleep are slingshot moments. One launches your day and the other launches your dreams. Talk to me about how that we can lay our head down at the end of the day and say, we've done what we've done and then get up the next day. Yeah. So we did the study. Um, I, I really didn't want to study positive thinking. I'm pretty cynical, sarcastic, skeptical. I try to be more skeptical than cynical. I think skeptical is healthy. I think cynical goes into unhealthy. But like I grew up with Serenity Now and Seinfeld. I grew up with, you know, Serenity Live. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. And doggone it. People like me. But the more I researched overthinking, the more I couldn't ignore positive thinking. And there were all these people that I really looked up to, people I really respected. And if you'd get them off camera, get them off mic and go, hey, what do you think about positive thinking? They'd be like, I give myself a pep talk every afternoon or, oh, I got some statements I say, or, oh, I've got, you know, some declarations. And so I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to study this. And so we did. And so I ended up having a great conversation with Tom Ziegler, who's Zig Ziegler's son. And I had a chance to have uh, lunch with Zig Ziegler before he passed away a few years ago. And so we had this great conversation about positive thinking. And then we did this big test, where we, which we called the new anthem, where it's 10 different statements that we encourage people to actually say out loud in the morning and at night. And what's fascinating is that your brain tends to grab what's been most recently played. So you get into situations where you'd go like, you never would stop and go, now remember positive thinking. You would just practice it and then go, oh yeah, of course that thing is there. Of course that thing is there. And so one of the things that a lot of people at night would say, one of the statements talked about, I've left so many great things for myself to do tomorrow versus Mm -hmm. going, 
Oh, I the failed. exact opposite. I failed because I didn't get enough done. Like versus going, I've left myself so many fun things to work on tomorrow because we don't live in a done world. We haven't lived in a done world for a hundred years. And so if your expectation as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, as a student, whatever is, I can finish everything today. You won't be able to. So what if instead you realize, okay, I've left myself so many amazing things to work on tomorrow. Like that ends up becoming a gift versus I'm going to bed with the burden of what I didn't get done. It's so good. And even parenting, I think so many times I've thought as a mom, like, man, my kid might have brought something up and what a failure. I didn't follow up about that. But what if I switched it to like, guess what I get to talk about tomorrow? Yeah, guess what I get to follow up on. And, you know, I just think that like little switches, that's what the book's about is, okay, like, what if you could just switch that? What if you could, Mm -hmm. you know, what if the voice that said you can't write a book, like who are you to write a book could be changed to say you have to write a book. Like it's time to write the book. Like, and people will go, well, can that really work? A hundred percent it can work. Like you can give yourself permission and then actually do the thing. Well, you also talk about this neuroplasticity. Oh yeah. It's a big yeah. word. Yeah. But that's about like changing the way our brain is like, can you go into that a little bit? Cause that's yeah, kind of so what you're like, talking about here. That's one of the things that's cool about living in the generation we live in. We have all this science that previous generations didn't have. Like our parents' generation didn't know that the thoughts they choose can change the shape and function of their brain. They thought, you got a brain, this is your brain, and forever it's going to be your brain. Like I always joke, their parents' generation thought smoking cigarettes was good for the Tour de France. Like people that would ride (laughs) in the Tour de France would smoke cigarettes because the nicotine opened up their capillaries in the mountains. And you're like, that's crazy. Right, but so was believing your brain is fixed and it'll never grow. And so there's so many scientists like Dr. Caroline Leaf and like all these people that are going, hey, with neurogenesis, you actually have new brain cells that are waiting for you with, you know, neuroplasticity, you can change the shape and function of how your brain works. And that's really, really exciting because then it's not just, we'll just be positive, turn a frown Mm -hmm. upside down. Like there's enough motivational junk online that you go, that doesn't really work. Now it becomes a route. Okay. With science, here's like the craziest science thing to me in the book is the story about the test they did in NYU. So they have two groups of college students and at NYU and they bring them in and Daniel Kahneman, who won a Nobel Prize, like just genius, wrote about this in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. They bring them in, they say, hey, we want you to make sentences out of these words. Gave them a bunch of words called the word bank, make some sentences. So they do it, one group does it, but the second group they've hidden words related to being elderly. So words like Florida and retired and bald. So then they say, hey, we want you to walk down to the end of the hall for the second part of the test. And as they walk, they secretly time them. And that was the whole point of the experiment. So they secretly time them. And the people who had been exposed to the old words physically walk slower. Like just reading the old words change the pace of their body. And so like, that's the power of what you think is that it does have a physical change. And a lot of times we're not paying attention to that. Even like they did a study at the University of Tennessee. They played five minutes of negative radio for people. And just listening to five minutes a day made them more depressed, made them more likely to think the world was a terrible place. And the crazy one is made them less likely to help other people. Five minutes. Mm. So how many of your listeners right now are like, well, I have a four minute timer on my phone. And once I look at Twitter for four minutes, I log off or like, I only look at four minutes of news. Like nobody does that. So the things you're taking in are changing your life in ways you're not recognizing. And once you recognize it, you can go, okay, I'm going to tweak that. Or, okay, I've got the power. Like I always say, like, you're the best DJ, like be the DJ of your thoughts. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. 
yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Attaching a soundtrack to a symbol. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about that and what you mean by that. Yeah. So I ended up getting a $300 ticket for using my phone at a red light in Canada. While you were stopped? Yeah. While I was stopped, like he knocked on the window and I thought he was going to be like, welcome to Canada. Do you like Alanis <laughs> Morissette? And I was going to be like, I do. I think her MTV live album is fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Very emotional. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why she ended up with Ryan Reynolds. I have a lot of facts about <laughs> Alanis Morissette. And so then gave me a ticket and I was like, I got to change that I'm driving with my phone. Like it's really hard. I've tried to change it forever. So I decided I'm going to get a bunch of coins from the bank. And every time I drive without using, I'm going to put a coin in a jar. And I did that for 200 coins and it was really simple, but it really worked. And I started to study why did it work? And I realized, oh, it was just a symbol. So the way a symbol works is you find something that's three things, personal to you, visible, and simple. And so the best brands in the world have known this for decades. Like Lululemon is a symbol. Like, you know, it's not a hundred times better than every other yoga pant. Yeti is a symbol. Nobody in the 1990s put igloo on their car to let you know how they keep things cold. Nobody was like, I just, when you're driving, I need you to know how I refrigerate stuff. I just would like, but it's a symbol. <laughs> and so that's, you know, the example I used is the Nike and Livestrong bracelet. The reason that was so successful, the Lance Armstrong one is one, it was personal. Nobody said, oh, I wear this because I hate cancer, the disease. Like, and here's my eczema necklace. Mm-hmm. Like I just like jewelry yeah. based on diseases. They would say my uncle, my aunt, a friend, mm. it was visible. Nike could have made it gray. They could have made it taupe, but they didn't. They made it bright yellow. And three, it was simple to use. No one was like, oh, how do I put on a bracelet? Like the arm part goes in the whole part. So when you have a soundtrack and you go, I want to remember this. Like for me, I have a pine cone right here on my desk. I got this pine cone in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It was free right there on the street. Whole bunch of them. I got this because I wanted to remember the soundtrack. Don't miss it because I was going to Jackson Hole a month before the book came out and would have been really easy for me to be over-focused on the book launch and completely miss that trip. Everyone has been somewhere physically present and emotionally absent. So I said, I don't want to miss it. 
I took this. It's now on my desk because there's going to be other don't miss it moments. And mm-hmm. so it's your chance to say, okay, how do we repeat something? You tie it to a symbol. You make it something really easy. And there's so many great examples in the book from real people that said, oh, well, I got a rock at the top of this climb because I want to be reminded that there's beauty at the top. Like the journey is hard, but there's beauty at the top. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be complicated, but it reinforces. I mean, we're told like tie the word to your heart, like put it on your head, like write it above your door. Like there's all these examples like that. So that's what, you know, what did the Israelites do after God did something amazing? They built a pile of rocks so that next time they'd go, Oh, we're in a jam, but look, look at the altar. Like, remember that time he came through? Like, we're going to forget. You're going to forget the good things. So it's a simple way to remember the good things. Here in Austin, we tattoo those on our body. We just get tattoos everywhere. So many people do. Like, I had so many people that would say, I have choose joy on my wrist because I need to be reminded of that. And so, yeah, a tattoo can be a symbol. Sometimes it's a photo. Sometimes it's a quote. Sometimes it's, you know, a post-it note. I have post-it notes all in my office of things I'm trying to remember, things that I'm trying to go, oh yeah, that's true. That's Mm. true for this season. I want to lean into that versus I hope I remember that. I hope in the 6,000 thoughts I have today, that one shines because I know it's not going to. Is that how many thoughts we have a day? That's the number. I mean, it's so hard to say specifically, but scientifically, they tend to say it's 6,000 thoughts roughly a day. Golly, that is a lot of thinking. It's a lot of thoughts. It's a lot of thoughts. And you know what? The example when you gave when you talk about you traveling, and that kind of spoke to me a lot because I struggle with that a lot. I feel like I'm not a good enough mom. But you also talk in that section about as parents, how we can kind of transfer those emotions onto our kids. And so it got me thinking about even when you talk about, you know, changing these broken soundtracks into ones that are true and hopeful and kind. How are you seeing that as a parent? Like if there's a parent listening, how could what I'm thinking that's broken affect my kids? An example that's in that story is when I was traveling and saying, oh, it's terrible. I'm traveling. I'll be home in four sleeps. Like my wife finally said, you're giving them your guilt. You feel guilty. Mm. Our kids don't even know to feel sad. You're teaching them to feel sad. Like, They don't even know, but they're going to hold that for you because the way the brain works is mirror neurons. Your kids will mirror what you're putting out. And so one of the costs of me doing that was I was telling them unknowingly, work is bad. Work is evil. Work takes dad away from home. Work is a monster. So for 18 years, I'm teaching them work is evil. And then I'm surprised when at 22, they don't want to get a job. Like that's one (laughs) of the easiest ways when you as a parent demonize your work. You're telling your kid, remember, work is the worst. Work is mm. e- like, that's not what you might be saying, but that's what you're doing. And you're setting them up for a life of frustration because they've heard this broken soundtrack. Work is a place to escape from. It's a place that steals you from joy. And so like simple things for us. Now, when we get to do something fun, I connect it to the travel. I go, hey, you know how we're at Disney World? Remember that time I went to Oklahoma and I had to do that thing? Like these are connected. That provided for this. And I connect it to good things. And I talk about the joy of what I get to do. I think that's a big part of parenting is going, okay, what what am I unknowingly teaching my kids? And it's not going to be perfect. Obviously, like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make a ton of mistakes as a parent. But you try to go, okay, what are the sound? Like once you discover the power of soundtracks, you see them in individuals. You see the couple have soundtracks, families have soundtracks, companies have soundtracks, and you'll start to go, okay, how do we want to shape them? Like one for us as a family, one of our simple soundtracks is we don't show up hungry. If we go on a road trip to a friend's house, unless we're supposed to arrive for dinner, we don't roll in hot and ready to eat because they're already serving us. And it's really inconsiderate if we show up and go like, okay, like where's dinner? We want to spread. Like we'll stop an hour before and eat dinner and show up already fed to not put additional pressure on them. Unless they've said, we want to host you. So that's a micro soundtrack. We don't show up hungry. The macro is we're considerate of other people. So that's what we're trying. Like, that's just one example of us as parents trying to go, okay, how do we instill this with Mm. our kids? Same with like early is on time. We're not always early. We're not always on time, but we try to say early is on time. So we show up, we're considered to other people. Another one is put your shoes on first. Like if you wait till the last second to get ready and come to the car barefoot with your shoes in your hand, you've mismanaged your time. So if you've got an hour of time, put your shoes on first and then enjoy the next 58 minutes before you have to leave versus kind of puttering around, kind of feeling stressed. Cause I know we're about to leave. And then, ah, then you run to the shoes with your car. Like it's little things like that, that we try to reiterate with our kids. You think you could, and Eugenie could come down to the Ivy's house and talk about this, put your shoes on first thing, because that yeah. is one thing I'm like, why are we all walking to the car barefoot? Game like what changing. have you been doing? Game what changing. are we doing guys? You know, you have feet, <laughs> you know where we're going, unless it's a hoedown involve shoes 
Let's make these two things happen. I want to be like the bus comes at the same time every day for the last three years. It's not a surprise. It's not. They <laughs> never. Day. They never mix it up just for fun. It's, <laughs> no, it's not it's like Wacky here. Wednesday. No, Wacky it's Wednesday. Every, it's coming early. Every, every day, every day. Okay, a little bit more serious is you know this whole broken soundtrack is so good, and I loved your book so much. But there are some people who are listening or reading and going, John, you don't know about the, you don't know what's happened mm-hmm. in my life, and. I've been through some really hard things and I don't know, are you asking me just to forget these and let things go? How do you address that when people are like, okay, this isn't just like I spoiled a surprise birthday party or whatever it might be like, this is serious. What is your... Well, I mean, I I think in that, I think you still need to identify it. I think a lot of times we've never, like we've let that soundtrack run unkempt in our head and like the biggest spot for it is your head. Like it's massive Mm. versus going, okay, I'm going to at least put it down on a piece of paper. Like I'm going to try to write it down. So I think there's, regardless of the soundtrack, there's still exercise you do. And then I'd always say like, you might want to process this with a counselor. Like you might want to process this with a therapist. Like you might want to process this with a friend. You know, one of my friends is a guy named Ben and we go on a walk every week, probably for like 60 to 90 minutes. And maybe about six weeks ago, we went on a walk and he was like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, man, I'm just sad. I said, I saw, I was reminded of an opportunity I missed. So I'm sad that I missed it. I feel dumb that I missed it. I feel like everybody else wouldn't have missed it. I know the person who got it. So I feel jealous. I feel afraid it's the last opportunity. I feel like an idiot. And he said, well, what would you have had more of that you don't have now if you'd gotten the opportunity? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. Like I wouldn't have built a double house on top of my current house. And then he said, if you had taken that opportunity, would you have gone deeper into your ego or deeper into your heart? And I didn't have to think about that for a second. Like I would have gone deeper into my ego. And he said, well, then that makes me sad because I don't think you would have valued this, these walks and I would have missed that. Like I got to get that gift because I shared when he said, how are you doing? I didn't go, oh, man, just killing it. Just, right. you know, just doing my thing. Like everything's yeah. great. Like I love Netflix. Have you seen the new, like mm-hmm. I said a real thing and got to receive a real gift in return. So I would never say if you have something, you know, some form of serious trauma, something that takes processing with an expert or with other people, like by all means, I think this book can be, we use the word slingshot, a slingshot that helps you go, Oh, that's a thing. And mm-hmm. it, it's stuck. And I need some help getting it unstuck, mm-hmm. whether that's with a friend or with a professional. So yeah, I think there's always a time for that. You know, it's interesting when I was talking to some people in the office today and tell them I was going to be chatting with you later today and I was telling about the book and I said, also, my birthday is this week. And so I was saying, you know what? I'm really looking forward to my birthday because last year's birthday was one of my worst birthdays ever. This is what I'm telling my friends. And they're like, really? Why? And I'm like, it was COVID. I think Aaron and I were fighting. That's my husband. I think Aaron and I were fighting and like, it was an awful birthday. And I thought, and I had been reading your book over the weekend and I thought to myself, I wonder if it actually was awful. Like, I wonder if any of those, well, COVID was true, you know? Yeah. I have no idea if Aaron and I were fighting. I don't remember if we were fighting last week. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I mean, we had a hard marriage season with that, not this conversation, but we've talked about it openly before. But it just made me think like, have I given myself a soundtrack, a broken soundtrack to my birthday for last year that actually isn't even true? And it do wasn't we, the first do time that you as said well. it. Like you've said it multiple times. Like that wasn't your first time. That's the thing I'll tell moms, especially like, Every time you play a broken soundtrack, it's like you put another handle on it and it gets easier to pick up next time. So some of these you've put a thousand handles. So like you're five minutes late in the car rider pickup line and you immediately go, I'm the worst mom. And it erases that you got the kids out, that you worked a full day at a job, that you scheduled carpooling for the week. Like all that goes away five minutes late in the car rider pickup line. It's because you've rehearsed and listened to that soundtrack so many times that it's covered with a thousand handles. It's easy to pick back up. And that's the thing. Like I say in the book, your brain is kind of a jerk. Like it just is like one, it distorts memory. It doesn't tell you the truth about memory. So it could be like that was interesting to me. Yeah. Like you think, no, it's accurate. It's not. There's all these tests where like even people's memories of where they were on 9-11 or where they saw the Challenger explosion are 60 to 40% inaccurate. That was Um, so interesting to me, John. Yeah. And so then like, so it does that. The second thing is it confuses fake trauma with real trauma. So even in tests, when people know the trauma is fake, their body releases real opioids like, oh, there's trauma. The third thing is uh, cognitive bias. You want to believe the things you already believe. So when you start believing that was a bad birthday, it looks for examples of that. And it goes like, maybe you were fighting. Yeah, man, I bet it was even raining. Could have been raining. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it probably you, was raining. <laughs> yeah, you add all these details and then you've got this broken soundtrack that's in motion. And you think, well, my brain told me the truth and it chances are it didn't. 
which I feel bad about that too, because I'm sure I could go to my family and they'd be like, but mom, we got you this gardening kit. And we had short, my daughter be like, I made you a cake. And Aaron would yeah. be like, I brought dinner in. Cause you know, we couldn't go out to eat last year in COVID. Yeah. He's like, I brought, they could say all these things and I could go, wow, I have been believing something that wasn't even true. Well, and that's one of the things that with couples, my friend Al Andrews calls it lying for somebody else. So when you have a fight with your spouse in the morning and you think about it all day and think things they didn't actually say, he says, you need to go home at the end of the day and go, hey, I'm sorry, I was lying for you today. And I said a lot of sentences you hadn't actually said. I love that as a That as is a so true. We do that all the time. Oh, yeah. we think, I bet they meant this. Sure, oh, yeah, I bet yeah. he meant and that. And you add, like, you tell this immaculate, <laughs> like, amazing story based off of two sentences and, like, a weird look that you just didn't care for. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And the next thing you know is the worst day of your life. Exactly. And you don't know, and you don't remember why. Like, the reason you don't remember why is that you've added all these things that didn't actually happen. And so then it's hard to find the root because, like, you're so far away from what actually did happen. John, this book, I am a fan of it. I read it over the weekend. Thank you for writing it. It's so good. I really do think that, like you said, there's nothing new about, you know, is this true? Yeah. Is this helpful? Is this kind? Those are all things that we say all the time, but we usually say them to other people. We're not asking ourselves if what we're saying to ourselves is those things. I think anyone who checks out the book is going to be surprised how many unkind, unhelpful, untrue things they're saying to themselves. That was on the daily basis. Yeah. Somebody said, what was the biggest surprise for me during the book process? And I said, I think just like how many of my own sentences in my head ended with you idiot. Like, I think every listener should check their punctuation. How are you punctuating the sentences in your head? Like chances are like, that was one of the things we, you know, we worked with 10,000 people or whatever. We didn't find a single person whose problem was they overthought compliments. Like no one was like, I just keep telling myself I'm such a good mom. It's a real problem. It's really all day long, you know, all day long. Like I just keep affirming myself. It's a real issue. Like my confidence is getting like too high. It's an issue. Like nobody yeah, had that. Nobody. Problem. Nobody. Nobody. It's all the exact opposite. Well, thank you for these words. I would love to know from you what you're reading and what you're loving these days. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello. Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. I'm reading a book and I looked it up because you told me you were going to ask this. So I wanted to be prepared and give this person credit. One of the books I love that's kind of surprising is Martha's Vineyard Isle of Dreams. It's by Susan Branch. And it's just this illustrated beautiful book about her in like 1982, moving from true story, California to Martha's Vineyard and buying this small cottage in the woods. And I grew up in New England, so it's probably close to my heart there, but I love a comeback story. I love a second chance story. And that's what it feels like. It feels like her going, okay, like I'm going to clean up this old cottage in the woods and I've never lived on an Island. And here's what I'm from California. That's what I'm reading right now. I'm reading uh, effortless by Greg McEwen his new book, he wrote Essentialism. I just had him on my podcast the other day. I have a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal. And it was just such a blast. In fact, if your listeners were going to listen to one episode, Colleen Berry is in chapter one of my book. And Colleen lost her job, lost everything, had to become a receptionist and make pizzas, all these things. And she ended up changing her mindset and changed her life. And she's now the CEO of the company. She was the receptionist. So I interviewed her and she is such a boss. Like, if you're only going li- to listen to one episode of my podcast, that's the one. Okay, I'm going to go listen today because I loved that story. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I didn't see it coming. I like literally was like, oh, she's yeah. going to get her job back, all the things. And then no, you dropped it it's... like CEO. I was like, what? Yeah, she's crazy. So that's what I'm reading. And then what am I loving? I love, there's a couple things. Oh, there's a silly one. I love Funyuns. I feel oh. like in like the fourth grade, I was like, oh, they're gross. And I just decided 
And then like, I don't even know how, but I re-experienced a Funyun like the last six months. And I was like, a Funyun is fantastic. So I Do they owe, have different flavors or is it just the Funyun flavor? I just Funyun go straight, flavor. straight traditional. Yeah. Like they have the go. spicy, everybody has like a flaming hot. It just ruins the Funyun. But like, I'm a big, <laughs> I'm really enjoying Funyuns right now. Like I love they it. have a little pack, it. like I'm not good at uh, portion control. So I like when it's like, <laughs> hey, here's a hundred calories. Here's a snack size. <laughs> I need the goldfish, the gold, yeah. like the little bag of cheddar goldfish. Like here you go. Yeah. It's just enough goldfish. I'm like, oh, thanks for the portion control. That's helpful. Yeah. I'll yeah. just go all the way. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, John, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. You guys check out his book, Soundtracks. We'll put all of this in the show notes for you. And we'll also link that episode with... Oh, Colleen Berry. Yeah. Yes. Send her shine. She is... of, And she kept dropping so many other true, funny, smart things in the episode. I, I was taking notes. You know how it is when you get into a good episode? You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's so much here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, I told you. I mean, how simple are these three questions? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? I mean, I feel like as a mom, I say these things to my kids all the time. Hey, is that a kind thing to say? Hey, it doesn't help when you say that. Is this true? Now I want to ask myself these things when I think about a broken soundtrack in my head. Hey, Jamie, is it true? Which, like John said, it could be true. Is it helpful to keep reminding yourself about this all the time? Probably not. Is it kind to remind yourself about this all the time? Probably not. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? He wants us to retire the thoughts, replace them with new ones, and then put those on repeat. One more thing that I found interesting in my conversation with John was, if you remember, I talked to him about how my birthday is coming up and I felt like last year wasn't a very good birthday. And in my head, I have all these reasons of why it wasn't a good birthday. And then the conversation carried on. Well, after the interview was over, I was talking to Lindsay and Lindsay's like, hey, so I heard you talking about your birthday, but I want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, you worked on your birthday last year and you chose to do that. You were going to take the day off, but you chose to work. And I was like, man, I did. I forgot about that. Number two is Aaron made you a gourmet dinner that night because all the restaurants were closed because of COVID. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And then she said, and I remember like Story made a big cheese plate for you for when you came home from work. And I thought, wow, I forgot about that. And it made me think I had been believing this broken soundtrack about my birthday from last year that actually wasn't even true. So what is it for you? Is there this broken soundtrack that you too have been believing that if you went back and maybe even asked some friends, maybe it didn't actually go down that way. Guys, wherever you get books, you can get his book soundtracks and go listen to his podcast, especially the episode with Colleen Berry. I loved reading about her in his book. Friends, don't forget, we have a bonus content episode for you over on YouTube. The only place you can see it or hear it at youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. And I asked John, hey, all this positive thinking, giving ourselves a new anthem, telling ourselves how awesome we are. How do we as Christians do that? Because sometimes Christians think that is weird. And I loved his answer. You can see that over on YouTube. Today's show is edited by the team at Podshaper. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. Music was created for the show by Matt Graham. The whole thing is put together and produced by Lindsay Sweeney. And I am your host, Jamie Ivey. And I can't say it enough. I'm grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a happy hour with a friend. Guys, I'll see you back here next week with more shows. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service.